What is going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. Today, we start off by debating whether or not the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the NFL. Then, we unpack all that went wrong for Green Bay at the hands of the 49ers. Plus, we tell you which NBA teams we think have been the biggest surprises and disappointments thus far. All that and much more coming your way right now. It's off the record. Defended by Simmons. Is this the tagger? Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining us on this Thanksgiving week. We have a lot to get to today, so let's get started. After what many considered to be a heavyweight matchup, the Baltimore Ravens handed the reigning NFC champion Los Angeles Rams a beatdown for the ages. Have the Ravens thrust themselves in the, as the best team in the NFL? Uh, right now, I definitely have to say they're in contention, but... I think the 49ers are the best team in football right now. And I think that because we still haven't seen too much from Baltimore. Uh, I, I, I know we've, we've seen, you know, Lamar Jackson just throw five touchdowns. He's, he's, you know, clearly showing that he's capable of throwing the ball. Um, and that run game is still, you know, no one can stop it. But... He did only throw 170 yards, and I know that there is a team out there that is going to be able to stop the run, and once they figure that out, other teams will be able to figure it out, and that's when I'm going to truly want to see whether Lamar Jackson really has what it takes to put up 300 yards passing, make no mistakes, and beat another team with his arm. I don't think anybody's going to be able to stop the passing, though, and I I think that's a big issue because... Even if you stop the passing and you put them in, or you sorry, you stop the the rushing and you put them in passing downs, right? They're going to be able to run. Like he can run outside the pocket, he can run and still gain yards, and that's what's causing defenses to have fits. So it, I mean, to right? Say, but they they've only they faced a select uh, number of teams that probably don't have the best matchups to face to to go against them. But I, I, they have uh, one particular team coming up this week that I think has the, the team possible with the, their, their speedy linebackers, their heavy pass rush. I think they'll be able to stop Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram. 
and force Lamar to throw the ball more than he has had to in his previous matchups. He hasn't had to throw. He hasn't. How many 300 yard games has he had passing? Very few. But it's not. Any. It's not about 300 yard passing games. It, it. I mean, with Lamar, you have to look at total yardage because he can do it all. Right, but that's what his I'm saying. His yards if don't take, have to come through the air. If you take away the run, you're going to force him. If, if if they want to win the game, he's going to have to put up 300 yards passing. If you take away the run, and someone will figure it out. It may not Maybe. be. It may not be right now. But it'll happen. Everybody figured out. You know, not everybody, but Patrick Holmes wasn't able to be figured out last year, and that was because the first that was the first time we really were able to see him. And now teams are starting to figure him out. They faced back to back losses earlier this year. They it almost was three in a row. They they've had a lot of issues, and team teams have figured out where, where their weaknesses are and how to how to exploit them. Give it some time. I think as we get deeper into the season. As they get in the playoffs, they're going to be seeing teams for the second time now. People outside of the division that are much better than than the teams that they have to face uh, twice a year in the regular season. So I think that don't don't just look at this uh, what 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 they're facing in the regular season, but you have to think of the teams that they're going to be facing in the playoffs and, that have already seen them. And they're they're gonna fix those mistakes. They maybe maybe they already had something and they they wanted to hold on to it because they knew Baltimore was gonna make the playoffs. So I'm not I'm gonna leave that aside for now because that's way in the future and that's just you know you know hypothetical. But right now I just don't think they're the best team. I think the 49ers have more of a complete team. Their defense I think is much better. They have stronger linebackers, a stronger pass rush. Uh, they maybe not the the corners. Uh, but they they have strong safeties, so I and and then they have on the offensive side of the ball they might not have uh, a Marquise Brown, but they got they have Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders. Then they have George Kittle, who's just I think the best tight end in the league. I don't think there's anybody, especially on the Ravens, that's going to be able to match up with him to and, and stop him all game long. And then, then you they don't need in. to stop him all game long, but they can. Not, it's not one on one. I mean, I'm sure the Ravens can come up with a defensive scheme that they'll be able to limit what uh, they can do. And you, you've said it on this show before, and uh, you know, in our conversations, you've said it to me. Who's one quarterback that is on a winning team you don't trust under pressure? That's Jimmy Garoppolo. So you can't tell me that the Baltimore Ravens aren't going to put pressure on Garoppolo and make force him to make gutsy throws and and tight windows to make sure that he can complete those passes because I'm I'm not convinced that this isn't the best I think the Ravens are the best team in football right now uh, just hands down I don't until I see someone who can actually do what you're saying that can be done I, I until I see it I I have to give it to him but I think what teams have they really faced that that are posing a threat to them. They face teams, Seattle, New England, Houston. Right, but these are teams that have are are dominant on one side of the ball and not dom, not you know above average on both sides of the ball. So I I just don't think. But you're taking. Let's take New England for example. New England had at going into that game was undefeated and had the number one ranked defense in all of football, and they got torched by them. Did they get torched, or did their souls get broken because their offense couldn't help them out? I think it's the latter. I think it's I think it's a mixture of both, but the the defense still couldn't. I mean, if even Stephon Gilmore was giving up 
completions to to Marquise Brown right. and those boys. I mean, he's not I mean, perfect. And 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 here's the thing. It's not them. It's not Brown and Snead that you have to worry about. It's Mark Andrews. It's Max Williams. It's the it's those boys on the inside. Those three tight end sets that they run are killers for teams. I mean, just like we saw last night, Mike, Mark Andrews was not a big part of that of that win. He had forty five yards on two two catches. That's because they put a, their top corner on him. They're like, Mark Andrews is not going to beat us, right? And they said, okay, everybody else will. Okay, so they took away Mark Andrews. All you need is somebody else. I'm not the 49er. I'm, I'm sorry. The the uh, Rams have issues, uh, you know, in their in their secondary that didn't allow them sure. to gonna, take advantage to to cover all the the weapons that Baltimore has. So if they had one bo- extra weapon, take away Marquise Brown. This is a much closer game, even on, though the offense on. wasn't doing anything. So we can both agree that. The Rams are not the litmus test in which we can evaluate the Ravens, right? Or any team, for that matter, right? The, the Rams are a shell of what they were last year. Their rushing attack went from third last year to 24th this year. So there's a, there's a massive discrepancy in what they're trying to do and what they can do. So we're, let's take this game aside, right? You're telling me that Seattle's defense, New England's defense, and Houston's defense giving up 30, 35 plus points each is not a concern to you? Are you really going to throw Houston's defense in there? They lost their best defensive player who was an edge rusher. They have no linebackers, no corners. They, they're, they're I wouldn't line- say Whitney Merciless is no linebacker. He had a good year last year. That doesn't mean he's going to be good this year, and he hasn't been that good. He's a, he's a fringe perennial pro bowler. Anybody can stand out on a, on a terrible defense. That doesn't mean he's great. You put him on the Patriots, he's probably not going to stand out. But you you're, put some Okay, but that's the that's the second highest uh second highest rated defense in the league right but now. But av- average play stands out on a bad team. It's just I don't think that e- even so, given the linebacker, it didn't help. There they need you need more weapons than one player to to stop an offense like that, and it's not like the Texans are going to go and make a deep playoff run. So I we don't know. I mean, Deshaun can easily carry a team, especially with the weapons that he has. I mean, he's got three burners on the outside that can that can torch any defense. <laughs> you say that, and then they go and drop a bunch of passes. So I, I don't. I mean, know. yeah, nobody can control that besides the receivers themselves. But I mean, th- they have the talent to to win. They're, they're, but you can't take okay. that away from them. But you put them in the playoffs. They have to go up against Baltimore, and New England again. Uh, you know, those are two teams that they're not going to be able to do much on offense against, and don't expect their defense to to step up and help out the offense. So, so you're just so what you said before was that the Ravens have to face a team that they've seen before, mm-hmm. and that's going to be tougher for them. But now you're saying that it's no that the uh, Texans have no shot. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'll be frank. I think the Patriots are the only team that will be able to stop Baltimore. If New England can't do it, then you I— You don't think Kansas City can do it? No, not their defense. It's not about their defense. You don't think they could outscore them? It's tough. I, I think Kansas City could outscore them, but you're right. I, I Again, I think the Ravens are the best team in football until proven otherwise. They may have lost two games— 
but that was early on. They lost to Cleveland and they lost to Kansas City. That they those are the their two losses right now. They're facing Cleveland again. That Cleveland team doesn't have Miles Garrett, so I'm going to give the Ravens the win. Right now, as it stands, the Patriots have to see the Chiefs before the uh, before they see the Ravens in the playoffs. The Ra- the Chiefs are the four seed. The pa- the Patriots are the one seed. The Ravens are the two seed, and the Texans are the three seed. I I think at the end of the day, the Chiefs will be the three seed. But that as of right now, fine. We're facing the Chiefs. We're about to face the Chiefs in two weeks. I think just like last year, we'll be able to beat them twice, twice in one season. I don't, especially this year, they don't have the same team they had last year. Patrick Mahomes, I'm not going to say he's regressed, but the injuries have definitely piled up, and that offensive line is doing him no justice. I just don't think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be the team they were last year and and make a strong playoff push or a, a okay. deep playoff so, run. So take that and say, okay. Now you're you're taking, we're arguing, arguably the best team in football, and saying the Chiefs can't beat them. I'm saying right now the, the the Baltimore Ravens aren't the best team, but they're close. I think if they can if they can go into, uh, I'm sorry, if they can, do they have to go into? I'm sorry. No, San Francisco's in Baltimore. Okay, so um, if they can. Uh, beat the 49ers at home, I think that there's no question Baltimore is the best team in the league, and I don't know if there's any team out there that will be able to stop them because I put 49ers defense and Patriots defense at 1A and 1B. I think they're very, very close together. So I think whatever the, the 49ers can't stop, the Patriots defense most likely can't stop. And as of right now, I'd, I'd almost put the 49ers offense a, a little ahead of New England. So whatever I the agree. 49ers offense can't do, I don't expect the Patriots offense to do. I think this is going to really show the everybody in the NFL whether Baltimore is running away with the championship or other teams have a shot. I, I just think that I think that Baltimore right now they they are humming on all cylinders i think right now the one the one thing they that baltimore has to worry about is hopefully they haven't hit their peak hopefully they haven't shown teams absolutely everything that they have because that's when they get they these teams get into trouble because if they if they can't be more creative than they already have been with getting lamar the ball and and this running game going if if you give Bill Belichick and Andy Reid and those coaching staffs time to figure this out, I, I think that they can come up with something. I'm banking on the idea that they haven't and that Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, has a lot more in the tank than he's willing to show. I mean, if you if you look at it, right, Lamar Jackson's on pace for 1,250 rushing yards this season. You know what the rushing record is for a quarterback? It was set in 2006 by Michael Vick, 1,039 rushing yards. He's on pace to blow the doors off of that record. So there is something seriously, uh, you know, so this is something that they seriously ha- have to consider. Okay, I, I think the Ravens are the best team in football. Did Atlanta win that Super Bowl that year? No. They didn't. What? Did it, no. Did Atlanta win the Super Bowl? But they also didn't have the... They didn't have the structure that 
the Ravens do as far as coaching staff and an uh, offensive coordinator who is scheming plays and, and strategies up use, utilizing those strengths and weaknesses. I mean, Michael Vick was on uh, uh, Skip and Shannon's show on FS1, Undisputed, saying that he wishes that he could have had Greg Roman and he could have had uh, these guys right now and he'd be doing the same thing uh, if he had this sa- the same setup, but he didn't, and that's what we're seeing is we're seeing an all-time athletic uh, quarterback who is given all the tools and all the coaching staff. That, like they have all the perfect pieces in place right now. And now, one thing to note is that the Ravens just lost their center Matt Scura, so I don't know if that's gonna be you know a a big issue for them uh usually we see a lot of running games uh falter once the center goes down uh because that is you know that's the quarterback of the offensive line they're they're the ones who are calling out coverages and making sure that they you know the shifts are on on target and everything that they need to do so there's a there's a lot of stuff up in the air but i i just i can't see right now how the ravens can't be the best team in football one thing I haven't seen from the Ravens is them play from behind. And I think that's because, for the most part, they've started the game out. They've gotten the ball. They've gotten the lead. Their defense has helped them out to a point where, even if they give up a couple points, the lead is so far out that you know Lamar Jackson's not going to get worried he's not going to get nervous in the pocket or you know with with a, whatever play um he's he's running so i think that teams should start looking at ways to just get get out to an early lead maybe don't hold off on you know some of their you know uh play, plays that they they feel most comfortable with to get them get them uh into the red zone and into the end zone so I think I I really still haven't seen much from Lamar Jackson um, when we need to see him make plays uh, down the stretch when uh, there, he has limited time he has to work the clock. So I, I think and he he also doesn't know what it's like to play in in the playoffs. So well with he the, he was in the wild card round last year. He was in the wild card, but I'm not gonna. I think last year's Lamar Jackson and this year's Lamar Jackson are a little bit different. The wild card no, round but he is still also. Has, he was at least there. He has some experience knowing d- that there's a different environment that you have to go into. He does, but he doesn't even know anything close to what it takes because he hasn't been into a conference championship, a divisional round, a Super Bowl. Those are much different than a wild card round. So right. But the way the uh, I'm just going to bring it back to the original question. The question is, are they now the best team in football right now? I I, I think the answer is unequivocally yes. I, I just I don't see a reason for them not to be now. To give you credit, I I believe San Francisco and the and the Ravens are neck and neck. And luckily for all of football fans around the world, uh, we get to see that matchup this week. That's going to be an incredible matchup that I cannot wait. And I'm slightly annoyed 
if I can just jump on my high horse real quick, I'm slightly annoyed that the NFL didn't have the foresight to say, this is probably going to be a good game. Or even two weeks ago say, this is going to be a really good game. And take it out of its 1 o'clock slot and move it to prime time. But as it stands, they are a 1 o'clock matchup that everybody's going to watch. Yeah. You, did you say it's a 1 o'clock or a 4 o'clock? 1 o'clock matchup. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you completely that this game, there's no reason for it to be uh, not in a prime time slot. Uh, I, I mean, as a Patriots fan, I'd rather us, our game against the Texans get, get bumped down because I just don't sure. think that's going to get people to tune in nearly as much as we're going to, you know, people want to see this 49ers Baltimore game. This, yeah, I mean, this is going to be a matchup for the ages that we, we expect at least. I mean, if it's a blowout, either way, um, you know, no, nobody's expecting that. I think that I think that's no, everybody expects this to be a tight contest and something that uh, we will uh, be able to talk about for a long time to come. Well, I, I, I think I. This is what I believe. If the game is neck and neck the entire way, and it comes down to a final drive, we're gonna all learn a lot about each team. The way they run their, themselves, the way that uh, they prepare, and uh, just ha- how they conduct themselves through through each each play, each drive, and, and what their mindset is, and that'll help other teams side, kind of get an insight into how how to scheme against that. Now, if it is a blowout, that's going to tell the rest of the NFL there is nothing you can do, and that's going to just put everybody on notice that this is not your time. Just let this play out. It's you know whoever whoever wins. It's it's their season, and and no one's gonna stop them. I disagree. I think if the 49ers blow out the Ravens, uh, I know that I know that they can be beaten. San Francisco. We've we've seen it. At the first sign of an elite team, they lost. Right. That was to sort to, of. Uh, it's a divisional game. Everybody struggles with divisional games. Look at, I understand look that. Look at the Patriots that, against the Buffalo Bills. We, they almost lost that. I get that. But they one have the thing Miami to Dolphins know, beating the Buffalo Bills. Like Things just don't make sense within the division. I understand. But one thing to note is that if the 49ers blow out the Ravens, I think we have more questions than answers. If the Ravens blow out the 49ers, I think we have all the answers that we need. For this season. And then everybody else is... I mean, I'm not saying cancel the season. Obviously, you want to see if they can still do it in the playoffs when the pressure is, you know, on even more so. um, If he can hold up under pressure, things like that. But if if the Ravens blow out the 49ers this weekend, I got to tell you, I I don't really foresee a team who's going to be able to stop them. Because... At that point, they would have obliterated the number one defense in the league and the number two defense in the league. And, that, and that's something to, to really be scared about. Yeah, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens are pretty much seeing anybody that they're going to face in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl besides, uh, I'd say, the New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. And I, I don't expect the Minnesota Vikings to go to the Super Bowl, so I think it's more the New Orleans Saints that are the only team, really, that they're not going to face in the regular season that has a viable chance of beating them 
if they face off in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think that's the only team that, you know, they're both going to be seeing each other for the first time, and, and it's it'll be interesting in that aspect. But other than that, I think we're either going to see a matchup we, we've already seen this season or, you know, end of last year. I just... It's it's interesting because they're they're facing some good teams, but then they they fa- they've like early on in the season they faced the Arizona Cardinals, they faced the Steelers, they faced the uh, Browns. These are you know some games that they either lost or were neck and neck. They had four or five games in the early season that they won by one score or less. And yeah, but everybody has those games where where they're closer than they should be. Again, you you pointed to New England and Buffalo. Uh, you know there are plenty of examples out there where a team. I mean, if you look at it, uh, who's it? In two thousand and three, the year the Patriots won the Super Bowl, they beat the Cleveland Browns nine to three that that year. I mean, there and that was it. Early season games are tough to tell about a team because you don't know if it's going to be a trend for that year or if they're just having trouble finding themselves early on. Okay. That's why you hear Bill Belichick and Tom Brady always say that the the first four weeks of the season are just uh, an extension of the preseason. Okay, but three to four weeks into the season, Baltimore Ravens faced off against the Arizona Cardinals, and it was, I believe the final score was 23-17 to 17 Baltimore. And I think a huge reason why they didn't win that game was A, Arizona had no Patrick Peterson, and B, David Johnson, who was dealing with a very bad back injury at the time, and probably still is, had seven carries for 14 yards. If he actually is being is producing at David Johnson's level, then and then they had Patrick Peterson, I believe that that game might have might have ended differently. So I Maybe. that that's a team outside of the division that had that was in a game uh it was in a close game that probably should never have been that close. And I I just I don't know something clicked for Baltimore after, you know, 7 weeks and in, into the season, but teams early on were able to figure things out and I don't expect that all those gaps were were filled you know, three weeks down, three weeks later into the season, I just don't right. think that's possible. You can't fix that many that many holes in within the season itself. It takes an off season to really dissect what happened and then make those corrections. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We we have a, a front row seat to po- quite possibly the game of the year uh, this week, and uh, it'll be really exciting. But. Uh, just for time's sake, I think we need to move on from this topic. Um, we're going to stick with the 49ers, though. Um, they faced off against the Packers this past week, uh, and it was supposed to be one of those epic battles of the season. Uh, it was a Sunday night football game, so clearly the NFL thought it was going to be a a matchup for the ages. Unfortunately, only one team seemed to show up, and that would be the 49ers. Uh, should the Packers have be, be concerned about their performance that they uh, put out there on the national stage? I mean, absolutely. And I don't even think this has to do with them being on the national stage. I just don't think they, they can really contend with a lot of these uh, high-caliber teams in the, in the conference, in the NFC. 
because really they they have all season had one of the worst run defense in the league. Then they faced up against the 49ers, who have a three-headed monster that a lot of teams have had trouble stopping this season. Yeah, two-headed. Brita was out. Okay. Two-headed. So you still have Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert. Then you have that uh, 49ers defense. Uh, you know, all they have to really do is take care of Devontae Adams. Then it's, it's a lot of... Uh, kind of no-name players for the for the Packers. There's Jimmy Graham, who sort of been doing a little bit better in the system this year, but he just doesn't fit well there. Um, and then I guess Marquez Valdez-Scantling would be the next closest big target for Aaron Rodgers, and he is so inconsistent, you can never rely on him. Yeah, but the Packers have their own two-headed monster uh, running back as well. But the offensive line for the Packers is much different than the 49ers. I think their bookends the Packers who... Are, technically had, uh, just to say this, the Packers went into the week with the number one rated offensive line in the league. That's really uh, surprising. According to pro, fo- pro Football Focus. I mean, that's surprising, and I don't agree with that. Because if you just look at them, you can't take them at name value anymore. They're not the Pro Bowlers they were. They're getting beat left and right week in and week out. It should be said that Brian Balaga was carted off uh, of the field uh, probably like three or four minutes in, though. So that is something to note. Okay, so right ta- they lost their right tackle. But David Bakhtiari, who's, still su- who's supposed to be the best left tackle in the league, I, or, you know, he's, I, think he's paid, of, yeah. I think he's paid as one of the top three uh, best in the league. So, I, I, you know, he has not produced to his value, uh, up to his name that, that he's made for himself. They have, uh, I believe it's J.C. Treader as their center. He has not produced to his level. Then, you know, they have some inconsistent guards that just, uh, you know, they're, they're not being, they're not able to do much themselves because the people they rely on to their left and their right aren't, aren't producing at the level they should be. And so I think if you were to compare Packers offensive line and, and 49ers offensive line, it's just not fair. So I, what, Aaron, what Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have been able to do behind that offensive line, I think it's pretty impressive. I I just if you were to put Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert behind the Packers offensive line, they're not producing as well as they uh, have for the Forty ers Yeah, um, I, I'm not concerned about the Packers, uh, and I, I need to throw a little caveat in there. I didn't think the Packers were that good to begin with. I didn't think they were as good as their record dictated they were. I've said that multiple times this year. I, so I'm not concerned about them. I think they showed exactly who they were on Sunday night. I think that they were overhyped. And, and, and here's one thing, and maybe this is just me being a Patriots fan, but I was a little ticked off that, I mean, it was dead silence between uh, Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, Shannon Sharp, um, Skip Bayless, all these, Nick Wright, all these guys, complete silence on Aaron Rodgers' 84-yard passing night. 84 yards. If that was Tom Brady, they would have eaten him for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I mean, to you cannot let him get away with that poor of a performance and the way he acted on the field saying, you know, basically, you know, blaming all his other teammates 
for for that performance. It's just it's it's absolutely a despicable, but b it just it just goes to show that these Packers were higher rated than they should have been, and I'm just I'm not concerned about them because I didn't think that they were going to make a a hard push for the playoffs. Maybe they'll win their division. If not, they'll definitely get the wild card. And I, you know, they won't make it to the NFC Championship game. That's for sure. So at maximum, they're going to be in the divisional round and they'll lose. I just, you know, that's just how it's going to be. I think the 49ers are much more talented, as we saw. I think the Saints are much more talented, and I think the Vikings can beat them when they're when the Vikings are at full strength and they, you know, actually balance their playbook for for runs and passes. I think they can easily beat the Packers. I mean, yeah, just to, just to talk about the Vikings for a quick second, they haven't had Adam Thielen for a number of weeks now, and sure. we've seen Stefan Diggs just put up you know i mean almost mvp numbers if if in if a wide receiver were you know going to be the mvp in the conversation yeah i i he's arguably the best wide receiver in the league right now this season i'd still put michael thomas ahead of him but i know what you're saying you know he he's he has produced when there's nobody else to go to you know he is he's probably more dependable than michael thomas is this year there's you know besides you know they they have um a, a run game and they they have a pretty decent offensive line but Kirk Cousins he started the season he was very rocky everybody was saying he can't throw the ball and he finally was able to just have somebody to dump it off to you know I know he, he some of these throws he's throwing them deep but he's he's able he's throwing with he's confidence security blanket but he's throwing with confidence because he trusts Stefan Diggs Right, Stefan Diggs and, is is doing it by himself right now. Now you add Adam Thielen back of. into it, then I just I think that the there is no ceiling on how far they can go and and what they can do. I think as if their offense is able to keep it up, I think that defense picks it up. They have Mike Zimmer, who was one of the best defensive coordinators when when he was uh, an assistant coach. So I it, having that mindset is, is great for them. They. You know, as long as the offense takes care of itself, I think the rest will fall into place. So I, I wanna I wanna tackle two things that you said. Uh, Mike Zimmer and his um, defensive prowess are are noted. I understand that, but I don't think that they have the. Ta- I think I think the talent of their players has dropped off since last year and possibly the year before. You're watching players like Trey Waynes consistently get torched week in and week out by wide receivers. I mean, they they have to give him help over the top. It is it is almost unbearable to watch. Um, so I, I think that they have a lot of questions. They have more questions than answers on the defense right now. And then you're talking about Diggs doing it by himself. I, I would disagree with that because they have seen a, a huge emergence from their tight end that they drafted, Irv Smith Jr. from the the University of Alabama, uh, Roll Tide. Um, they've they've seen Irv Smith become 
that target that they need. And then, kind of like the Cowboys used to do with Tony Romo, they have Kyle Rudolph who runs a 10-yard hitch, and all he does is sit there at the at the first down marker, and if nobody else is open, he's right there breaking apart zone defenses. Uh, he's not going to outrun anybody in man defense, but he's right there to to be the you know the zipper right up the seam uh, on the on the uh, zone defenses. So I, I think they have more talent than you're giving them credit for. Obviously, Dalvin Cook is probably the first or second best running back this year in the league. Um, so you have to give him all the credit in the world. That offensive line is working tirelessly right now. I mean, honestly, I don't know many people on their offensive line. And I think at, by the end of this year, we're, they're all going to be household names because they are putting in so much work protecting Cousins and, and creating holes for uh, for Dalvin Cook to, to get through. I think that it's absolutely incredible what they're doing. Um, I mean, I'm not taking, I'm not trying to take too much away from the rest of the offense. But I'm, I, my point that I want to get across is Stefan Diggs is what's getting them a lot of their points. You know, he's he's getting these big 60, 70 yard touchdowns, and I don't think they're able to drive down the field cons- consistently enough to put up the same amount of points if if Diggs isn't isn't doing what he's doing. Dalvin Cook can only get them so far. I don't think you can rely on him to just carry the ball to the end zone every single time. I don't think you can rely on these tight ends to get open every single time. They're strong guys, but they're not they're they're known more for their strength and their run blocking than they are for their their catching abilities and their speed. So, I think it beside, you know, Adam Thielen's out, there's nobody else at wide receiver that they have that they can trust. They brought back Laquan Treadwell who they cut at the beginning of the season because he was absolutely terrible. And they brought him back, and he's done absolutely nothing since. since. So it's, it's all the wide receiver duties have fallen upon Stefan Diggs, and he's risen to the occasion. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Diggs is an incredible talent. I don't want to take anything away from him. Um, you know, he is almost like the guy that you just can't cover. No matter what, you throw him downfield. I saw him catch a pass with three people trailing him. They were all trying to cover him, and they just couldn't do it. I, it was a deep pass down the field, and I'm like, you just can't cover that man. I, so I understand. The Vikings are definitely somebody to watch out for. But um, just to come back to the original topic, uh, the, I, I, I'm not concerned about the Packers because I didn't believe in them in the first place. And I, th- I believe in the Vikings a lot more. I'm sure that we'll see... Um, I believe that we see them uh, play at least one more time uh, before the season is over. So we'll be looking forward to that matchup as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually Week 17, so that'll be a very fun matchup to watch. Week se- it could be for the division. Yeah, I mean, Week 17 this year is definitely not going to be a bust like every other year. So right. it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have football uh, every every week this year. And I actually hope the Vikings pull through because as a p- football fan, and not not as a Patriots fan, as a football fan, I want to see as every, you know good football every you know in every game that I watch, and I I expect that in the playoffs. I want to see the best of the best, and I know the Vikings are better than the Packers. Yeah, I think the be- the Vikings have a better team than the Packers currently constructed. Um, I think the Vikings have fallen on some hard times with injuries, but I you know Thielen's not done for the year. He'll be back. Um, they're going to get him 
back and ingratiated into the offense. And and when that happens, look out because then the 49ers are going to have to look in their rearview mirror and say, where the hell did this team come from? You know, uh, I just I see them as somebody that people are really going to have to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, talking about, you know, primetime matchups and, you know, things that we saw this weekend. Uh, I, we can't let it go uh, without talking about the Cowboys-Patriots game. It was America's game of the week. It was a defensive battle throughout. The Dallas Cowboys failed to score a touchdown against uh, the vaunted Patriots' number two defense, while Tom Brady and the offense continued their struggles moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, which team are you more concerned about moving forward? Well, I think first and foremost, I think it's time to uh, bring the title on home and and say that New England is the new team of America. I I think that can't go without saying. Uh, you know, we have to talk about new this. America's team. It is the new team of America. America's team is uh, is in New England. Cowboys clearly aren't able to you know do anything against you know to to beat them. I know, I know they they came into Foxborough and they played one of the worst uh, rain games I've probably seen, uh, yeah, and, and I experienced and I experienced that rain firsthand. So uh, that <laughs> I I know what conditions they were playing in, but they were both playing in it, and the Patriots showed why they are America's team. Well, the rain is the great equalizer, too. So, um, you know, any bad team can make a good team look bad uh, in rain or in inclement weather because rain uh, because bad weather is the ultimate equalizer. You ask any player, any you, you know, Marcellus Wiley, James Harrison, all these guys have said time and time again, bad weather is the reason that you see a lot of these bad teams look good against really good teams. So, uh, just with that said, I want to I want to hear who you're more concerned about moving forward, Cowboys or Patriots. Okay, back to the subject at hand. I definitely think that we need to even though the Patriots won the game, I am deeply concerned about their offense. I expected a lot more from them after that first drive or after the when they scored that touchdown. I was so excited. I was thinking Nikhil Harry has finally come come to play. We finally have a weapon. You know, we don't maybe we don't need AB. And then I saw the rest of the game and I was like, "Where's AB? I need him." <laughs> <laughs> Robert, let's just bring him back. That's right. You know, the the Patriots offense it it, it lo- finally looked like Sony Michelle showed up also. And it seemed like the run game got shut down because the passing game couldn't get anything going. And when you don't have to worry about the passing game, you don't need you can you can focus on the run game and you can, and you can uh, shut that down and and nothing's going to work for the Patriots. And that's yeah, it. but Sony almost had a hundred yards rushing, and you got to admit, you know, there was no Muhammad Sanu and there was no Philip Dorsett. I mean, those are your two and three receivers right there. I, I, they're just not they're not in the fold. I know I'm probably alone on this. I expect more out of Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers. They both had thir- no, they both had thirteen targets, had five catches. They I know I know there was at least six drops in that game. You know, Brady was uh, I was thirty five for uh, seventeen for thirty five. Yeah. But that doesn't but fall would, on him. He actually, yeah, well, he actually say, had a good game. Yeah, well, if you look at it, if you rewatch his throws, six drops, four to five throwaways. So, and he's throwing the ball away because he's under pressure. Um, 
you know, you can't take anything away. Demarcus Lawrence and Robert Quinn and Michael Bennett, that front four is something to be, you know, is, is something to write home about. They are good. Um, and I'm not saying the Patriots have the best offensive line in the league. They did get Isaiah Wynn back. It was definitely something good to see there. But the, he did have to throw the ball a couple times. So he, d he threw it away a couple times instead of taking a sack, which is all the best thing. I'd rather his stats suffer than him taking a five- to six-yard sack on four to five different plays. I mean, their their offense has a lot of issues, and that offensive line clearly isn't figured out. Now, I know Marcus Cannon, their right tackle, was extremely sick. He almost didn't play. Bill Belichick even said he barely was able to get his jersey on. That's how bad he was feeling. He needed help to get it on. Yeah, and, and I know Marshall Newhouse had to step in for a couple plays, but he fought through it, and for the conditions that he was playing in, uh, you know, physically and in you know out in the elements he did a great job and so i think at a full strength uh marcus cannon now you have a full strength isaiah win you put him in you know better weather conditions they're able to hold up a lot stronger you give brady more time you know bring back muhammad sanu they have a chance to be better but right now i don't know because every week i'm thinking they have a chance. They're getting this piece back. They're getting this piece back. This looks bet. This is starting to look better. And then I watch him play, and none of that, none of it works out the way I want it to or expect it to. And so that's why I'm still concerned about the Patriots moving forward. I don't okay. know what I'm getting from but, them. But you have to admit that we haven't seen this team at once yet. Like, not every single piece has been on the field at once yet. Every piece that's available, I should say. So we haven't seen Sanu and Dorsett with Harry. We haven't seen the three of them with Isaiah Wynn. We haven't, you know what I'm saying? Like, we haven't seen Isaiah Wynn with a healthy uh, Marcus Cannon. Once all of those pieces kind of fall back into place, back, you know, out of chaos where they are right now, I think you're going to start to see this offense take shape, which is why I'm more concerned about the Dallas Cowboys than I am about the Patriots. I think, I think the Patriots... Every year they're in this situation at this time. They're kind of figuring out who they are, and now is the time in the next two to three weeks is when you're going to start to see a lot of those things come to fruition, and they're going to start rolling right before the playoffs start, and they're going to be the Patriots of old, and everybody's going to be like, I don't know what they were worrying up there for in New England. They got the GOAT and Tom Brady. They're going to do their thing again, and we're going to hate on them all, all the time. I mean, that that's really what's going to happen. I, I, I truly believe that. Now, if you're talking about the Patriots needing more weapons— I'm I'm 100% with you. I don't think they have the weapons uh, they they don't have the the weapons that they need to win the Super Bowl handily. I think they could possibly do it, but it's it's no foregone conclusion that they could. And the, and and here's the thing. The player that can answer that question for them is out there. He just needs to be brought back. That's all. He just needs to be brought back into the system. You have your quarterback. You have all the leaders on that team who want him back. Matthew Slater wanted him back. Stephon Gilmore wants him back. Uh, Brandon Bolden wants him back. These are not just no-name players on the team. These are leaders in the locker room, and they are people that are truly trusted by the coaching staff and ownership on the field and off the field. And I think that if, if these are the guys that are saying, we need this guy, there's no reason to not bring him back. 
AB needs to be brought back. And I know um, I know that it's split here in New England. A lot of people don't want him back. Um, I'm just going to say this. Allegations are allegations. Nothing has happened since then. You know, I, 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 as of right now, the only thing that's holding the team back from bringing him back is what he said on his way out. And I think after his apology, I think he needs to go to Robert in person, say it to him, and at, at that point, I think they can bring him back. But until that happens, I don't, I don't, th- I don't see New England bringing him back. Well, we'll have to see. I'm I, just like Bill. I'm going to take the Bill Belichick approach on this and focus on the players that we have right now. Sure. And I, I want to see more from the players I I can trust on a daily basis, like James White and Julian Edelman. Jane, I I know Julian Edelman's dealing with a lot of issues, a lot of injuries that are going under under the radar. No one's really talking about it because New England doesn't talk about it, and so you but you see it you see it every single time he's thrown the ball, he can barely lift his arms above his head. On he had to do punt return duties this past week, and he ran away from the ball every time because he was scared to fair catch it. He he barely could wave his hand over his head, so he just ran away. Or he was scared to just catch it in general because his chest is just hurting so much. It's his ribs, his chest, everything. He's in a lot of pain. I don't. I'm scared that he won't be able to make it through the season. And if they had another weapon, they would be able to do it. But right now they don't. And with Mohamed Sanu dealing with an injury, Philip Dorsett dealing with an injury, we're really trying to rely on Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers to do it. But then there's an, also another big passing weapon that's not being utilized, and that's James White. And he has he is I don't know if it's him being held back by the coaching staff or him just not producing enough to for the coaching staff to give him looks. He's James White is known to be, to be more of a receiver than a, than a running back. You expect him to get you know eight targets, uh, maybe you know five to six catches. Right, but he's just you. You're also missing the missing the idea that that they're missing one big piece, and obviously he hasn't been there all year, and that's Robert Gronkowski. But what does he have to do for James White, though? It's not about James White. They're underutilizing a lot of different positions. There's no tight end. They're not utilizing the running backs like they normally do. That my point is is that they're focusing on all these receivers, and they have other pieces available. And I'm I'm a little I'm, I confused as to why they're not utilizing White and Burkhead and Ben Watson and Matt Lacoste. I mean, these these guys, they're there. Why not use them? They're healthy bodies. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, that's what I'm confused about for I them. mean, yeah, Matt Lacoste is a, finally a healthy body, but when he gets one catch for five yards and everybody's like, oh my god, Lacoste, he finally showed up. Do you really call five yard a one one catch for five yards really showing up and and getting excited about that? That's really sad if you if we're getting excited about that. Ben Watson, no, I know but I'm not. I I'm know not he, talking about that. I'm saying I know, that they need to utilize him more. But that's the thing. You're you're excited when he gets one catch, which means you don't expect him to catch anything. You can't. Okay, but what about Ben Watson? All the all the. Nonsense that they went through and bringing him out of retirement, then cutting him, and then bringing him back because they had so many injuries. They're not even using him. I, I don't think he was targeted this past week. Sometimes he just doesn't fit into the, into the what what their, their scheme, what they're trying to run. I just, 
I didn't see him a lot this week, and maybe that was because of the weather. Maybe they needed him in other roles, you know, blocking. Uh, you know, this was a strong pass rush. You know, Dallas has a very strong uh, defense. Right, which I've noted. So I, I think that some of these roles needed to be utilized in other areas. So it, it was time for the wide receivers to step up, and they couldn't because of either severe injuries wide receiver or just lack of experience at these positions and then your veteran players who you expect to uh be there they just they're just not showing up at all all right well i i need i need to take this back and i need to just tell you like i want to explain to you why i'm more concerned about the cowboys because i feel like we've we're beating a dead horse with the patriots um the the cowboys to me they had the best passing offense Going into this week. All right. Now, any sane football fan would say Dak Prescott isn't the best quarterback in the league right now. They'd be right. So, obviously, I didn't expect that trend to continue. But they did utilize Ezekiel Elliott. He did get over 100 yards. And what I saw was dropped passes, and I watched Amari Cooper get absolutely... He put on the cloak of invisibility from Harry Potter. He just vanished off the off the planet during that game. I didn't... I saw him targeted twice. One was a pure knockdown, and the second one was a drop on 4th and 11 from, uh, when he had a wide-open uh, catch, and he just dropped it. I think the Cowboys have a lot of issues. They are 0-4 against uh, winning teams this year. That is something that cannot be... I, that is something that cannot only be uh, emphasized, but I don't think they have the right pieces in place to get them over the hump. And I, you know, they are in a terrible division... So it makes sense that they're leading their division. They're going to probably win that division because, I mean, if you look at the Eagles, Carson Wentz isn't going to do anything. Um, the Giants are still rebuilding, and the Redskins are the laughing stock of the league along with the Bengals. So you take a look at everything that's in front of you. They're going to win their division, and they're going to they're going to lose Wild Card Weekend. I mean, that, that they're going to be the fourth seed, and they're going to lose. Because they don't have their coaching staff is absolutely abysmal. I I do not like Kellen Moore's play calling. I think Jason Garrett needed to be fired immediately after that game. Um, and I, you know we watched the game together, and I told you I said Jason Garrett went uh, kicked a field goal when it was like fourth and seven on the twenty yard line going in. I said there is no possible reason I can see him kicking a field goal here. They they absolutely needed to go for a touchdown because at worst they don't get it and the Patriots were backed up in their own territory and then you possibly get the ball back. Instead you get three points, the Patriots get the, the ball back with plenty of room and uh, you know they get to operate their offense like they want. And I, I think the decisions that are being made with the Cowboys, um, it, the coaching staff just needs an overhaul. Um, I mean, I agree. I think a lot of their issues do fall on the coaching staff, but they have plenty of weapons on both sides of the ball to be to be a, a good playoff team. So I I, I don't th- know if they can cover. I don't I don't know if their if, corners can keep up. 
they I mean I still think Byron Jones has some talent in him somewhere. Uh somewhere. <laughs> Maybe it's his calves cuz you know. But this he jumped out of the combine but I don't, I don't know where else he can what he can do. Their defensive backs are are the same as last year. So I I think that they're able to do I think they're capable of doing what they did last year again if they have the right coaching staff. Now, the question was, which team am I more concerned about moving forward? And I think the Patriots have all of the the coaches necessary, but not the players. Now, the Cowboys have the complete opposite problem. They have all the players, but not the right coaching staff. And I think that the Patriots I think you need the players are the ones that win you the game. I think you can have the greatest... But the coaches can lose you the game as well. They can, but that's why you have your leaders on the field. Dak Prescott, Jalen Smith. These are the guys who, who are... They're young. They're young, You're but, calling them leaders, but they're in the league for four years, five years, max. I mean, that they're not... They brought Jason Witten back to be the leader in the locker room because they have such a young team that they needed a voice of reason. They needed somebody to, to reel these guys in. And you know Why? Because they don't have an actual coach that can do that. They don't have a coach that they can rely on. And it's absolutely beyond me why Jerry Jones refuses to fire uh, Jason Garrett. It's like he it's his adopted son. I swear, I, I, I have not seen anything like it. It is something where, I mean, ownership, and he calls him out all the time. It's not like Jerry Jones is oblivious to what's happening. That Jason Garrett gets called out almost on a weekly basis by uh, by Jerry Jones and the rest of the ownership, and I I just I don't understand why they haven't fired this man to to begin with. I I think it's gonna come around uh, by the end of the season or you know right after the season. But we've said that the last two years. I, I think he's uh, Jerry Jones is finally getting enough pressure from the outside to force him to make some decisions. Well, I'll, I'll stop you right there. I don't think Jerry Jones gives a damn about what anybody else thinks. I he's never he believe. never has, and he, I don't think he ever will. I, I I believe the complete opposite. He he's listening to everything the team is saying about him. He cares, I think, more than most about his reputation in the eyes of others. Uh, he if he doesn't if he's not getting out of uh, his players and his team what he wants, then he's not going to make too much of uh, a commotion about it unless people start talking about him and his team out out in the public. No, no, I disagree. Jerry Jones is a very, very smart businessman. If he's not getting the return on investment that he believes he should be getting, he he's going to make changes, which is why it's very confusing to me why he hasn't already said, I understand where the issue is here, well, I'm going to make a change. Again, I believe that he has, in another dimension... He has uh, adopted Jason Garrett as his third son, and that that is why he refuses to fire him. Because there is no other possible explanation than just seeing his family member be there. I, I just he, he is very smart and he knows what he's doing, and it just baffles me why Jason Garrett still has a job there. I don't think it was as blatant as it is now. Uh, until they got Amari Cooper, and then Dak Prescott said, I'm going to be an elite quarterback for once in my career. So now that those two things have happened, now now you finally have diagnosed the problem correctly, and, and you can take the corrective action. 
We shall see, but I'm definitely concerned about the Cowboys moving forward. Not to say that I'm not concerned about the Patriots, because I am, but I, I believe that the the I I had bigger expectations and maybe I shouldn't have about the Cowboys. Uh, but based on the talent that they have on that team, I feel like my my uh, expectations were justified with them. So we'll see. But uh, you know, there's a, I'm definitely concerned with that franchise moving forward. Um, so I just, I'm going to kind of change gears here. Uh, we've talked a lot of football, uh, where right now we are about 20% of the way through the NBA season. feels like it's flying by. Um, so I just wanted to kind of revisit the NBA, um, you know, kind of get your thoughts on what, what are some of the biggest surprises? What are some of the things that you're concerned about? Uh, what have you seen so far this season? Uh, I mean, for me, it's one thing that it hits close to home for me, and that's the Celtics. Going to the season, I didn't expect them to do much at all. I didn't have high hopes for this team. I think I thought they were missing uh, an elite weapon, and I I didn't expect this to them to, you know, I thought they'd make the playoffs, but they weren't going to go far at all. Now looking at it, they've by far exceeded every expectation I had for them. They've made this. Uh, more of an exciting season than I, than I've seen than I've had in a while, um, and I I'm really excited to see how far they can take this. But now they're, they're down Gordon Hayward for uh, you know a month or two, and who knows how long Kemba Walker's out. He, Kemba's coming back on Wednesday. I just saw a report from ESPN. Okay, so we'll see if he's a hundred percent. We'll see if he he's able to pick up right where he left off. And, and I have high hopes for that. I'm just, I, it really just surprises me a lot to see that they are the number two team in the East right now, that they actually have a real shot at winning the conference and, and uh, you know, making the, you know, making it to the finals and having a shot at winning a championship with the team they have. Now, I don't think they're done. So does that tell you, but does that tell you more about how bad the East is? Or does that tell you that Kyrie Irving was a major issue on this Boston Celtics team? Because if you remember two years ago, right, Kyrie had the knee injury. He forced him out. Obviously, Gordon Hayward had his uh, terrifying uh, ankle injury, broke his broke his leg. Um, and, and we saw what Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart could do. We saw all of that come to fruition. And then last year, you put Gordon Hayward and Kyrie back in the fray, and you heard that some players were not happy that Gordon Hayward was starting because they didn't think he was up to snuff where he used to be. They thought he should have been uh, rehabbing some more and, and trying to get back into playing shape. They didn't think he should have been ready. And then a lot of players had took a issue with Kyrie Irving. So do, do you think it's more about the East or do you think it's more about you know, Gordon Hayward has another year under his belt post injury and the Ky the switch of Kyrie Irving to Kemba Walker? I think it's a mixture of both, but I, I think that the East is, is stronger than um you know some would say i think there there's a lot of there's a lot of competition that they they're going up against and they're they're going to have to uh, get past if they want to you know be a t be a top seed uh going into the playoffs 
and I think they're they're up to the task. I think they are in a better position as a uh, team team as a whole. I think they're they're playing more synchronized. I think that a lot of their young players have taken uh, a step up. Every single one of them, and I I just think they're they're just playing more as one whole unit. It's not there's no me ball in the on this team. Everybody's playing for each other. And they're they're clearly able to work around these these big losses, uh, you know, to Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward clearly showed that he was back to form after uh, a horrible year last year, and he he's going to be able to uh, help this team out for the long run. You know, bring back Kemba, he's going to be averaging twenty five points a game and and just facilitating this team, and then. Uh, you know, you you have Marcus Smart who last night just against the Kings absolutely took over in the fourth quarter and put the team on his back and said, "I got this. I'm going to help out. I'm going to do what I have to to help every one of you out. I'm doing this for you guys." And we see this time in time out. He's putting his body on the line consistently. He's done this every year, but this year he's he's his de- offense is finally catching up to his defensive bil- abilities. He's just able to, you know, fi- you know, make the plays on offense and, and keep this team in it uh, when when other players aren't aren't producing at the level they should. I, I think that if they all continue on this path, if they all you know get healthy and come back, this team has a shot to to really make an uh, impact in the East and, and possibly uh, in the finals. Sure. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I, I like the Celtics a lot this year. Um, we saw a bit of it on Team USA. Uh, I think that you saw Kemba and Jalen and Tatum and Marcus Smart all getting along. They were you know they they were in a good spot with each other, and they've they've tried to ingratiate Gordon Hayward back into the fold. Obviously, another setback with the fractured hand. Um, you know, hopefully that doesn't take away what this team has been able to do. Um, I, I'll be surprised if they do make it to the Eastern Conference Final. I'll be surprised if they, you know, get that far. I think that they still have some holes on the roster that they need to fill uh, as far as big men are concerned. Well, that's what I was uh, getting. I don't, that's I, don't, I don't think Enos Cantor's the, the, the answer here. But that, that's what I was kind of alluding to before, before um, I got off topic a little bit. Danny Ainge said today, he said he should have made moves, you know, cleaning house a little bit more last year. I think that, you know, taking that into consideration, he sees the potential in this team. And he's going to say, there's some holes, and I'm going to fix it by bringing players in that we need. And- right, but I don't think that the Celtics championship window is right now. I think it's offset by about two years. Right, but I don't think getting somebody in the play in, in the draft is going to help you in a couple of years. Getting a veteran no. player right now is going to help you in a couple of years. Somebody that's that'll be under contract to help. So, but but who's available? Right, so he, who's available? Because Kevin Love is too old. Clint Capella isn't the answer. Uh, I don't I don't really know who else you're going to go after. You have that Grizzlies pick. Yeah, exactly. Um, you have that Grizzlies pick. You have your own picks. You can package this but you, together. But here's, but you also have a salary issue. So whatever salary you you bring in, you have to send out the same exact amount. So which means you're going to be getting rid of Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart. I mean, you have to get rid of one of these big pieces. Marcus Smart's to, not that expensive. Kemba Walker, 
um, Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward are the... You can't get rid of Kemba because uh, because he just signed the new contract. Okay. So, Gordon Hayward, to me, sticks out as a sore thumb because of his contract. It, you know, he clearly hasn't lived up to it. He's finally producing this season. I don't know, you know, how restructuring contracts works in the NBA if it's even possible with, Mm-mm, you know, players' personalities not. or you know how how it's, it's all just not structured. Okay, I mean personally, if I I think the weapon that they need, if it were you know worked out financially and if the team teams were able to make a trade all, uh, together, I think Gordon um, um, Blake Griffin makes the the most sense. I think he's a big man that can shoot the ball, can play defense. I think he's the best complement to the the smaller uh you know to to Kemba and Jalen and Jason Tatum. I think I think he, he's the best complement that that's out there right now. Uh, I I disagree. I don't I don't think Blake Blake Griffin's A too old and B he's not I mean he's not going to fit their window. Again, their window is offset by about two years, so we're not we're not in their championship window yet. What what we have to worry about is both LA teams, uh, the Seventy Sixers. They have about two more years before they're going to be in a world of mess as far as contracts are going to be concerned. And then you have Milwaukee, who has about another year or two before they have the same issues. So I right now isn't the time. Start building for sure. Maybe you find a younger player uh, that, you know, isn't getting an opportunity. But, uh, again, I, I would hold on to that Grizzlies pick. You never know what it's going to become. Um, I, I'd be surprised. I, don't, I just don't see right now uh, the Celtics being a championship contender. Like I said, I I counted them out before the season started, and I'm happily being proved wrong right now. And I I think the sky's the limit for them. Maybe, but the the regular season's one thing; the playoffs are a completely different thing. We've we've seen it time and time again, so we'll we'll, we'll definitely see. Um, but I I just want to bring up two teams that I I think everybody should start paying attention to. The first is the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. They are struggling mightily right now. Uh, Stephen A. Smith today went on went off on Joel Embiid because Embiid played 32 minutes. He scored zero points. He was zero for 11. Um, he had 13 rebounds and like four assists or something like that. Um, and this was back in Toronto. This is a Toronto team without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, they, you know, they're struggling this year because they don't have their star player. Um, and he, he got bodied up by Marcus Gasol, an aging Marcus Gasol. I mean, that is somebody that, you know, shouldn't be able to do to Joel Embiid like, like he did. So, uh, I would definitely watch out for the 76ers. I think Ben Simmons and his, his, uh, shooting struggles are going to be an issue. Um, them not re-signing Jimmy Butler was probably the worst mistake of their offseason. Granted, he didn't want to be there, but they could have made it a very enticing offer for him to stay, um, and they didn't. I, I, You know, you're looking at Josh Richardson. He's not the answer, um, and they have no depth, so I'm very concerned about the 76ers. I don't think that they have the shooting that like they used to. Um, 
J.J. Redick is gone. They don't have that three-point specialist that they, they've been able to rely on. So all of their offense has to come from close to the basket. And if you play a tight defense um, and force them to shoot from the perimeter, you're going to see them. Right now they're fifth in the East at, uh, I believe they are 11-6. and six. So they're 11-6 and six at, in fifth place in the East behind Toronto, Miami, Boston, and Milwaukee. That's a tough hill to climb. Granted, we're still early in the season, but they're neck and neck with in the Indiana Pacers, and the Brooklyn Nets are not too far behind them at all. So I, th- I think that's something that is really going to have to take a look into. Um, and then on the flip side of things, one team that's really surprised me is the Dallas Mavericks. Now, before the season... I told everyone, I put everybody on notice, I said Luka Doncic will win the MVP this year. And he is proving me right. He is an absolute monster out there on the court. I haven't seen a player like him in a very long time. He does absolutely everything. Offense, defense, he passes the ball, he knows uh, when to cut to the basket, he, he runs without the ball, and he has fun while doing it too. He's doing it on a Dallas Mavericks team who wasn't really expected to do much this year, and as it stands right now, the Dallas Mavericks are fourth in the vaunted West. They're uh, a half a game up on the Houston Rockets right behind the Clippers. So your ta- your Luka Doncic has basically single-handedly carried the Mavericks above Russell Westbrook and James Harden and just a uh, half game behind Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That's pretty incredible to me. I'm really excited for where the Mavericks can go. Uh, I'm really excited of what they've done so far, and I can't wait to see uh, how the season progresses with them. I just want to add in uh, a couple things real quick. Going back to the 76ers, I want to just add in, I think part of this thing is what I what I don the Al Horford, Al Horford effect. And I think that Al Horford is a much different player than a lot of these these other players in the NBA are. He's, he's a lot slower. He's a lot more meticulous about the way he, he plays the game. And I think that has an effect on the other players. Everybody wants to play at a, a, a more fluid, faster pace. And he wants to take his time, make sure everything's right, and, and get in the right position, which kind of throws everything out of whack. And then you have... Um, I'm sorry. And then you then you have um, Ben Simmons, who has a lot of issues on offense. You know, scoring the ball, and you need to have. You only have five players out there. You need to have yeah. all five be able to to score for you. But I I disagree with you about Al Horford. If you look at the stats right now, Al Horford's the only thing that's working for this team. He is scoring the ball. He's passing the ball. He's setting great screens. He's a great defender for them. Um, right, but it, you just know. because it works for him doesn't mean it works for everybody else. When, but it's working for the. I mean, for the team, who they look at their team and tell me who else you can rely on to score. I mean, last year you were be able, you were able to rely on a lot of other people, and and now you bring Al Horford into the um, picture, and you expect more from this team. You expect them to just dominate. Right, but they don't have those players anymore, and that's what I was getting at. They don't have Jimmy Butler. They don't have J.J. Redick. They're missing a lot of these players. I don't think Jimmy Butler was that effective with the 76ers. I think it was more drama than anything when he was there. 
Jimmy Butler right now is in the MVP conversation. Yeah. I mean, because, that, okay. that's the player that they're missing. Yeah, but okay. That's, that's we, the, I, the player that they're missing. He was their he was their scorer. He was the guy that in crunch time, you give him the ball, he can penetrate and then either kick out to J.J. Redick or get Joel Embiid the ball down low. He, he made the plays. He was their biggest playmaker. And then you lost him and replaced him with Josh Richardson. Yeah, okay. Josh Richardson say, isn't that guy. J- Jimmy Butler and Russell Westbrook are very similar is where they work best at when they're the only player on the court for their team. They're going to produce when they are relied on, when they get to have the ball every single play. When when you put them on a real team and they have to work with other people, it becomes a lot more difficult for them. They don't get to play their style of ball. And, and it, that's the whole team gets impacted. Now, it's a little different what with Al Horford. Like I said, he plays the da- the game differently than a lot of other people. He's not as fast paced. He's slower. He's he's more meticulous about. He has to line up his shot. You know, get you know, set his feet. It it's very different for him, which throws everybody else off. It's just a, there's a timing thing with everything. Getting that fluidity down with your your team, getting that chemistry, that rhythm, it all has an impact. And if you can't have that, if you can't figure it out. Then, then you're just going to be disrupted, and and you're going to, you know, su- you know, suffer uh, in well, the wins one, and loss right. columns. One thing that we can say though is that Philly is struggling, and they don't really have an answer right now, which is a huge cause for concern. I, we can both agree on that. I mean, oh, absolutely. Ben Sim Ben Simmons can't shoot. Uh, you know, to see a place erupt with happiness and, you know, go nuts because he made his first ever three-pointer in a in a uh, regular season game is just absolutely abysmal to me. I mean, that is just, it's just terrible. And you're an NBA player. Uh, Dwight Howard has made th- more three-pointers than Ben Simmons. Let's just put that into perspective. Shaquille O'Neal has made more three-pointers than Ben Simmons. I mean... The list goes on and on. I'm very concerned about the 76ers. I don't think that the way this team was put together, um, you know, can win. And I need to also address Brett Brown is not doing well as a head coach right now. He is not coach. I mean, at what point do you pull, uh, you know, talking about last night's game, you talk about uh, Joel Embiid, what, at what point do you pull him in and say, stop jacking up three-point shots that you know you can't effing make? I mean, just, you know, or stop dribbling the ball up the court. The fact that he he's running point on half of their plays when he's out there is just stupid to me. I mean, there's there's no leadership on the team. And, you know, you, you, you talked about Al Horford. Al Horford's doing his part. He's scoring. He's setting screens. He's doing. He's playing defense. He's doing everything that he needs to do. But he's not an answer. He's not a playmaker. He's not somebody who's going to galvanize this team to get them ready to win. They don't have that player, and I think that's going to be a big struggle for them all season long. And I doubt that they're going to figure it out in time for the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they they have a lot of holes to work through. I don't think they'll be able to work through it this season. When you when you you know lose pieces that you had last year that that worked, and, and you're bringing in a lot of new faces, it takes a while for things to to start you know rolling back the way they did, and, and yeah. it it it's going to take them probably more more than this season, at least more than halfway through this season. 
There's no question about that. And I think that at that point, that there's too much talent in the East for them them to figure it out that late and, and to try to catch up at that point. We'll see. Uh, there is 80% of the uh, NBA season still left, so we will see how it progresses. Um, yeah, Like I said, all we can say is we'll see. Um, as far as this episode is concerned, I uh, thank you all for watching. I think uh, we covered a lot. If you have any topics that you'd like to see us cover in the future, please let us know on all of our social media pages. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So if you can let us know, it would be much appreciated. Thank you very much. Have a great Thanksgiving holiday.